The scene is a tangled mess of bashed cars, broken glass, guns, and most chilling of all, the bodies of federal lawmen who died in the line of duty. Two FBI agents shot to death in the middle of a Southwest Dade residential street. Their killers, two armed robbery suspects, also dead and five more FBI agents wounded. All nine cut down during a blazing gun battle on Southwest 82nd Avenue behind the Sunnyland South Shopping Center. The FBI was doing spot checks in this Southwest Dade area when they ran across the license tag and car they believe had been used in a string of armed robberies. Nine thirty-six a.m. Complaint position four. County police and fire. Yes, ma'am. This is Mr. Stebbins calling from 82nd Avenue and 120th Street. Northwest or southwest? Southwest. Is What's wrong? Multiple rounds of gunfire being fired down the street. Two cars are parked. There are people screaming. It's between uh, Southwest 120th Street and 124th Street. You can hear the gunfire in the background. And do you have any description on subjects that may be firing? Well, I'm going to go out and stick my nose around the wall. A quiet, calm, tree-lined street looks unassuming in a suburb of Miami called Pinecrest. It's an unlikely place where a bloody gun battle between cops and bad guys would take place. The only way you might know anything happened 32 years ago is to take note of the street sign on the corner. Three decks of lettering reads, Agent Jerry Dove Ave, then Agent Benjamin Grogan Ave, then Southwest 82nd Avenue. If you ask folks in the neighborhood if they know the street as three names, they say, nope, I wasn't aware of that. Or, I always just call it 82nd Ave. There's a dedication marker a few feet away from the street sign. It's one of those historic commemorative signs affixed to a white post, green with gold lettering. You wouldn't take notice of it unless you were looking for it. It's surrounded by colorful tropical plants and a wooden frame that cordons it off. The sign has an authoritative seal, the village of Pinecrest. Below that it reads, Special Agent Jerry Dove, Special Agent Benjamin Grogan, the Pinecrest Village Council dedicated this portion of Southwest 82nd Avenue on 15th day of May 2001 in memory of those two FBI agents who gave their lives in the line of duty during a gun battle at this site on April 11, 1986. But on April 11, 1986, it isn't yet the village of Pinecrest. That happens 10 years later. In 1986, this area is on the books as an unincorporated region of Miami-Dade County. Whatever its designation, this spot is one that sticks in the history books. When around 9.30 a.m. on a spring April morning in South Florida, one of the bloodiest shootouts ever seen in Miami happens right here, right on this spot, right behind South Dixie Highway, right behind the Dixie Bell Shopping Center. When FBI agents and two armed and dangerous robbers exchange 150 gunshots between them over five minutes, yet for what the survivors tell me, seems like an eternity. 
The area where the shootout took place is called Sunnyland, along 82nd Avenue and 122nd Street, one block east of US-1. It is a quiet neighborhood of large single-family homes with well-manicured lawns and lots of children, not the kind of place where residents expect gunfire. They dispatched somebody quick. They're still blowing somebody away. Local 10 and Local10.com present the Florida Files. I'm Michelle Solomon, and this is the story of the Sunnyland Miami shootout, the bloodiest day in FBI history. The two dead suspects were driving this stolen car, a car used in at least one other bank robbery. Tailed by FBI agents investigating a string of violent robberies, the men opened fire on the agents with a civilian-style M16. The shootout here linked to a story we told you about two weeks ago tonight, a story of modern-day gunslingers linked to armed robberies and murders. In Southwest Aid, Connie Hicks, Channel 10, Eyewitness News. William R. Maddox and Michael Lee Platt are, without a doubt, cold-blooded killers. The bank robbers have no mercy. They don't just steal money, but even after getting bags of cash, they shoot. And they shoot to kill. Sometimes they're dressed in military gear, wear fatigues, and war paint. They shoot with high-powered weapons in broad daylight, and they don't care if there are civilians around. Get in their way, and they will cut you down. The FBI report says they have two men on their radar, but they don't know much about them. When they begin robbing banks and armored cars in October 1985, it is the beginning of 18 months of fear for people who work and live along a stretch of Miami's South Dixie Highway. We reported on two men who would shoot target hunters out practicing alone in the Everglades, steal their cars, and then rob mostly armored truck guards at banks, restaurants, even a grocery store. Last month, police got a composite of the two. A victim, pumped full of bullets and left for dead, survived and gave their descriptions. He said they were good old boy types who weren't good. At 1 p.m. on October 7, 1985, an armored truck guard fires four shots at two men trying to rob him at a Dolts restaurant at 11625 North Kendall Drive. The same courier is confronted by two men at noon while making a pickup at a steak and ale restaurant on 97th Avenue in Miami on October 9, 1985. He tells police that two men are wearing military gear and they have automatic weapons. They rob him of a bag of money he's carrying. The men shoot at the truck as it speeds off with an automatic rifle believed to be an AR-15 or an M16. On October 16, 1985, Maddox and Platt target a Wells Fargo armored truck in front of a Winn-Dixie store on Southwest 104th Street. It's around 12.30 p.m. and shoppers are coming out of the store, driving through the parking lot. The guard is shot in the leg 
the robbers get away with nothing. On October 17, 1985, another robbery of a Loomis armored car at the same Dolts restaurant. On November 8, 1985, at 10.33 a.m., the pair holds up a female teller walking from a main bank building to deliver money to an outside teller station. They take $10,000 in cash. Only a few hours later at noon, the pair enter a professional savings bank. Just blocks away, they order customers and tellers to the floor. Witnesses say that one is carrying a large revolver and the other has what appears to be an M16 or AR-15. They get $41,469 in this heist. The robbers, though, favor armored cars because it's quick cash and they don't have to enter a bank. There, there'll be more witnesses and more chances to get caught. So on January 10, 1986, at 10.30 a.m., there's a Brinks armored truck in front of a Barnett Bank, again, not too far from the other robberies. This is at 13593 South Dixie Highway. One of the two men shoots the guard in the back with a shotgun. It's not enough, though. The other man comes up and shoots the guard again at close range with a rifle. They remove a money bag from him containing $54,000. Their final holdup is on March 19, 1986 at 9.25 a.m., again at the same Barnett Bank. Investigators believe they watch as an armored car makes a stop just 30 minutes before the heist. The men enter the bank, go to a teller window, and get two money bags. They only make off with $8,000 in cash. But they take off in a 1979 two-door black Chevrolet Monte Carlo. The license plate, Florida tag NTJ891. The FBI was doing spot checks in this southwest Dade area when they ran across the license tag and car they believe had been used in a string of armed robberies. Because today might have been a logical day with no specific information, they were doing spot checks in this area. The FBI and Metro Dade Police have been working on the armed robberies since October of 85. An investigation is continuing. In southwest Dade, Vicki Frazier, Channel 10 Eyewitness News. The black Monte Carlo belongs to Miami resident Jose Colazzo, who was target shooting on March 12, 1986, at a lake near the Tamiami Trail. Two men engage him in conversation. He sees that they have guns too, not unusual to Colazzo, until they threaten him with a Ruger Mini-14 and a 357 Magnum. They demand his wallet, car, and Colazzo's own guns. They take from him his Smith & Wesson Combat Masterpiece Model 14 and 22 caliber rifle. One of the men shoot Colazzo three, possibly four times with the Magnum. He plays dead after they toss him into a rock pit near where he is target practicing. When he's sure they're gone, he drags himself for miles, bleeding to get help. Emilio Briel, 25 years old, isn't as fortunate. He tells his family he's going to a rock pit south of the Tamiami Trail to target shoot. He's alone and disappears on October 5, 1985. The robbers use his car, a gold Chevrolet Monte Carlo, in some of the holdups. 
Briel's remains are found by fishermen in May of 1986 in the Everglades. It started as part of an ongoing investigation. The FBI looking into a series of armored car heists, robberies, and bank stick-ups in South Florida over the past several months. Agents spending the morning looking for suspected cars they had a line on in this neighborhood. And they spotted one. This car banged up and riddled with bullets. The agents ran a license check on it and called for backups. They had their men in sight. One of the agents on the scene that day is John Hanlon. He recalls hearing Ben Grogan's call over the radio. We were in front of a bank. We were perpendicular to, uh, what is it, Federal High Route 1, in front of a bank that they had robbed before, and there was a, the uh, homicide captain's son was sitting in a marked car, and we were behind, I was, we were both behind uh, at the light. Uh, and Grogan and Dove were in front of us in the light chains. We took a right, and we were sitting, going to set up, I think it was a Peninsula State Bank, we were going to set up on that. And uh, we made the right turn, and then that's when uh, Ben came on the horn. Late Miami journalist Bill Cook posted the audio file of the FBI radio transmission on his blog, Random Pixels. Special Agent Grogan checks in with dispatch. Then minutes later, he reports he spots the stolen Monte Carlo on South Dixie Highway. It would be the last time that anyone would hear the voice of Special Agent Benjamin Grogan. 11 April 86, 920 AM, Southwest Frequency. 6200. The FBI is taking out the banks along the highway from 183 Street to 112 Street, 920. 9.32 a.m. Do you know anything in 60? 2960 to Southwest. This is an FBI unit. Uh, we've got a uh, black city under a surveillance at uh, going north on uh, South Dixie Highway at about 120 Street, northbound lane. We believe that it's uh, the black Chevy uh, we've been looking for. Tag number is uh, November Tango Juliet 891. Can you get it to me help us stop it? Verifying November Tango Juliet Grogan and Dove are heading north on South Dixie Highway when they spot the Black Monte Carlo. Grogan tells dispatch they are making a right turn on 117th Street, right on 117th. Maddox is the driver and Platt is the passenger. The FBI report of the investigation, file number 62121996, tells much of the details that four FBI cars chase the Monte Carlo in and out of side streets in the neighborhood behind Dixie Highway. 
that the subjects become aware that they are being followed and then slowly begin driving on side streets that they know. That special agents Grogan and Dove activate their blue light and siren to signal a felony car stop, but the robbers are unfazed. Investigators learn later that the men are heavily armed, most likely because they are outfitted for another one of their morning hits at a nearby bank. Platt is armed with a 357 Magnum, Maddox, a 357 Dan Wesson revolver. They have a Smith & Wesson 12-gauge shotgun and a Ruger Mini-12 semi-automatic assault rifle. Special Agent Richard Manowski is following in another vehicle as Special Agents Edmundo Morales and Hanlon pull up alongside of the subject's car. They all attempt to box the Monte Carlo in. As the cars speed down 82nd Avenue, Manowski slams the driver's side of the robber's car. It ends up pinned between a parked car and a front yard of 12203 Southwest 82nd Avenue. A fifth agent, Gordon McNeil, pulls up to assist. At this point, the car that Grogan is driving with Dove as his passenger has made a U-turn and is parked behind the back of the stolen Monte Carlo. Special Agent Morales recalls what happens just before the Monte Carlo is forced to come to a stop. Ben was in front of him trying to slow him down, you know, to keep him from speeding away. And I think they saw that. So I guess they were trying to push us off the road so that they could make a U-turn. I mean, that's the only thing we could think of. But then one thing leads to another, and uh, we uh, we lost contact with the um, with their car, and we ended up crashing up against a, a wall to the right side of the highway, or right side of the street. And then they, they lost control of their car temporarily, and they, and they ended up on the left side of the street, and then they, they made a U-turn. Uh, I don't think their car ever really stopped moving, you know. And then Manalzi, I, I spoke to Manalzi, um after the incident, and he said, hey, you know, I, I, ran them, I ran them from behind. So he said, hey, I'd already damaged the car, so I had nothing to lose. So he said, when, they, when I saw them making a U-turn, um, I just uh, said, what the heck, you know, I've already hit them once. I may as well hit them a second time and keep them from escaping. You know, so uh, he ran them a second time, and, and then that's how they ended up pinned up against the, the tree. There was a, a point when all the cars came to rest, all the car, you know, Manazi pinned them up against the, the Black Petlis in front of 12201 82nd Avenue, and a tree, and then and Manazi's car. So they were pinned in, okay, they were kind of pretty much jammed in there. And Gordon comes in uh, from the north and, and parks next to uh, Manazi's uh, um, car. There was a time there, I don't know, what couldn't tell you honestly whether it was a second or five seconds. There was a, a, a point there when everything was silent, okay? There were no cars, no RPMs, no engines revving, no crashing, no tires, you know, spinning in, 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 on the street or anything else. And everything was just dead silence, okay? And um, I spoke to Gordon. And um, he said that when he came out of his car to uh, pick a, a cover position behind the Nazi's car, he said he was yelling, police, FBI, put your hands up, put your hands up. Okay, so he was giving commands. Okay, and he said that as soon as he said that, as soon as he, you know, as soon as he got into a, a position where the two subjects in, inside the Monte Carlo could see him clearly. He said, 
there was this god awful, you know, gunshot blast, you know, that, that sounded from up from inside the car. He said it was a huge weapon. He said it was a huge blast. He said, and uh, when he told them to put their hands up, up, their response was to fire, you know, to shoot, you know. So, and and that was the beginning of the gunfight right there. Attention all units for information. I've shots fired with machine guns at 120 Street 82 Avenue, 937. Frantic, residents and workers in nearby offices on South Dixie Highway call 911 to report what they hear. 9.35 a.m., complaint position 5. Bay County Police and Fire, do you have an emergency? Yes, there's a gunfight going outside my office window. What is the address? It's just, it's just south of 124th Street, uh, south of 124th on 82nd Avenue. Okay, that's 124th Street and 82nd, 82 Avenue? Yeah. Is this northwest or southwest? Southwest. And how many people are out there? I can't tell. There are trees in the way, but... Uh, Cars. Are they shooting the gun or are they threatening? They're shooting guns and machine guns. They have guns and machine guns? Yes. And a, a car knocked down a tree. They're still shooting. They are firing shots? Yes. Okay, right there. Oh, I hear it now. Hello, sir? Yes. Don't hang up on me, okay? Okay. Have... Do you know whether or not they are males? I mean, yeah, they're they're males. Are they white males or black males? Did you see anything? I think they're white males. They're still shooting. I hear them out there. This is right outside of Florida Power and Light substation on 82nd Avenue. Nine thirty-six a.m. Complaint position three. Can you please fire? Do you have an emergency? Uh, I don't know if it's an emergency, but it sounds like a lot of gunfire going off back here behind our store. What's the address, sir? Uh, it's behind Tiles Italia, 124th Street, one block. Well, what's, what's your full address? 12241 South Dixie Highway. South Dixie? Uh, they're having a shootout back there. I don't know if the police are back there or what. 12241 South Dixie Highway? Right. It, uh, maybe the police are there now, but it sounds like you should get some people down sure. there. Sir, I'm trying to get some information with you, all right? All right. You hear shots in the rear of your place? Yes. Many, many. 9.36 a.m., complaint position 13. Bay County Police and Fire. Hi. There's a, somebody shooting a gun off here. I don't know if they already know about it. At least if it's not a gun, it sounds like one, like rapid fire. I mean, I, I can't be sure, but I'm not going That's outside right, to find That's all right, ma'am. Out. I'm not asking you to. We'll still get someone out there, okay? Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. 9.37 a.m., complaint position 8. Bay County Police and Fire, may I help you? Yes. There's some kind of a gunfire or something going outside my house. Okay, what's the address? 12203, Southwest 82nd Avenue. There's a lot of gunfight going on out here. I don't know if the police are there or not, but it's right outside my, my front door. 
Hello, sir. Hello. You gave us one two two zero three Southwest Eighty Two Avenue. Yes. How many shots have you heard? Lots. Huh? Lots. Okay. Is, any, is, is anyone injured? No, but they're right outside my front door. Who is the person with a gun? Do you know? No, I don't. <laughs> sir, calm down, will you? Have you looked outside? No, I haven't. I'm afraid to. So how do you know they're males fighting? Look, they're gunshot. Believe me. 9.37 a.m. Complaint position 9. Hey, County Police and Fire. Yes. Um, do you know that there's a gun war going on? 82nd Avenue? And what street? 120. Okay, we have that information. Is that also approximately near the highway? We got it as two separate locations. It's um, right behind US 1 on 82nd Ave. Okay, yeah, we have people on their way. Do you know if anyone's been hurt? Pardon me? Has anyone been hurt? No, no, I'm not going out to look. Good idea. Okay, man, we're on the way. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 9.38 a.m. Complaint position 2. State County's Friday of an emergency. Hi, there's a gun battle going on on the corner of 122nd and 82nd Avenue. We have it. Oh, you do? Okay. 9.38 a.m. Complaint position 5. State County Police and Fire, do you have an emergency? Yes, we do. What is the emergency? Uh, I am in an office building on Southwest uh, 124th Street, 82nd Avenue. There's a shootout going on. Okay, ma'am, we have the shootout. Do you see any subject? Do you have any subject description or anything? No, we're up in an office building. I'm a speech pathologist. We've heard the shootout, and someone says there's bodies in the street. What else, what's going on? Cars in the neighborhood make their way around the shooting scene, merely slowing down. Witnesses say they didn't stop because they thought it was the filming of a scene from the popular TV program Miami Vice that was shot in and around the city from 1984 to 1989. Eyewitnesses say that while the shooting was going on, unsuspecting people were still driving through the area and FBI agents were trying to hold their fire. It's so unreal, it's so unbelievable. You realize there's no cameras, you realize you're not sitting in a movie, you realize this is you're looking at something going down. What is it? Some say it sounded like firecrackers or a scene out of Miami Vice, a loud popping sound that lasted for 10 to 15 minutes. People from downstairs came running outside saying that there were bodies laying in the street and all we did was smell smoke. Smoke? Yeah, like um, gunfire smoke, I guess. They kept up for a few minutes. I thought, that's too much to be gunshots. So I went to the window and looked out and couldn't really see anything, but I could hear that they were very close and decided I better close the window. When the smoke cleared, nine men were down. Two FBI agents killed along with two suspects they were following. Saw them go down, but you couldn't tell where the shots came from. You couldn't, it was so fast. Another five agents caught in the crossfire, three of them airlifted to area hospitals. When all is said and done, two agents, Grogan and Dove, are dead. Five others are wounded, and the bad guys, riddled with bullets. Maddox was shot six times, and Platt shot 12. In 1986, Miami has taken a beating. Its reputation as a place for fun in the sun has been black-eyed and bruised, with a reputation worldwide as a nefarious playground where bloody daytime shootouts are a daily occurrence notorious as a haven for cocaine cowboys. Just five years before, Time Magazine publishes a cover story titled Paradise Lost, chronicling a crime rate out of control from Colombian drug wars. With so many dead bodies, the medical examiner is forced to create a morgue annex using a refrigerated truck. So, what's another gunfight in Miami-Dade County? 
This is something law enforcement prepares for but can never imagine. In this case, the FBI is outgunned too, and it would change how the FBI arms its officers from that day forward. Maddox shoots only one round from a 12-gauge shotgun. Platt shoots at least 42 rounds from the Ruger Mini-14, plus six rounds from two different 357 Magnums. The agents are firing from revolvers and semi-automatic pistols, which the FBI later says lacked adequate stopping power. Morellis, despite being seriously wounded, his left arm torn apart by gun blast, manages to engage a Remington 870 slide-action shotgun using only one hand. Not an easy way to maneuver a long gun. He shoots off five rounds, but eventually can no longer rack rounds into the gun's chamber. So, Morellis stumbles to his feet, draws his revolver, a Smith & Wesson 686, and staggers towards an FBI vehicle, which the robbers have taken over to use as their getaway car. At close range, Morales delivers the final six shots that kill the renegades. 50-50. Correction, 5200. 5200. Four FBI agents are down on the two subjects also. 50 subjects are down and four FBI. Are there any county units down? No county units. Uh, two of the agents were 45s. You better start PIO out here. Next on the Florida Files, join me, Michelle Solomon, as I talk to the agents that survived the gun battle, and they give a minute-by-minute -minute account of the bloody shootout, and hear from a news reporter who arrived at the scene. Get more of the story and online extras at local10.com.